Hello, everybody. My name is James Morgan, and I am from Chicago, Illinois. I've embarked on a very kind of different journey. Um, I am getting ready to do my student teaching. And that's a little bit odd because I'm older. I'm 49, and I had a midlife job change. And when I lost my job in 2011 and started going to university for the first time at age 40, I realized that it was not going to be as easy for me as for some other people, younger people that just transitioned and had a plan right out of school. But anyway, I began on this journey to become a special education teacher. And I'm creating this podcast because I want to share with you fellow student teachers or those pursuing a job in education, the little things that I've learned along the way. And so it's my goal through this podcast over the next 16 weeks or so to uh, introduce you to people that are professionals in education that are going to provide insight on what it means to be a student teacher, things to avoid, things to do, and everything in between. So the reason that I've called it 52 Stops in the Streets in Between is that my commute to my job as a teacher's aide was excessively unreasonable. Many people ask me, James, why in the hell are you driving all the way to Wooddale, Illinois, 22 miles one way through the city of Chicago? That journey, and I counted, was 52 stoplights down Irving Park Road. And as I would go on this long journey every day, I would wonder, what was I going to get into when I got to school? What was I excited about? What scared me? What kid did I think about? How could I help them that day? What did the teacher need from me? And every day on my way to school and on my way home, 52 stoplights and the streets in between, I would be thinking about the school and how I could help kids. Those stops and those streets in between and the experiences that you have in a classroom are not going to be all textbook examples that you learned while you were sitting in the university. They're going to be different. They're going to be raw. They're going to come and happen fast. And so you've got to be prepared for that. So part of the goal of my journey of this podcast is to help you make sure that you are prepared for being in the school, for working with the students, for building relationships with teachers, staff, parents. Every single person in that building you have to have a great relationship with in order to have a great relationship for the kids and make their their school experience good. So that's the main goal of the podcast, and that's our title. 52 Stops and the Streets in Between, A Student Teacher's Journey. I recently joined a uh, Facebook support group. It's called the Student Teacher Support Group. It's, it's managed by a woman named Kendra Heffries, and... It's full of um, questions, comments, concerns that people have. She's got 900 members in her group right now. And I was so excited when I found this because I thought, oh, this is going to help me. But when I opened that up and looked at it, my anxiety went through the roof because all the things that people were saying and feeling, I feel those, but I need those to come down and not go up. So my goal during this podcast is not to provide anything academic because you've already learned academic things at college. My goal is to provide the emotional part of it or the common sense part or the things that you're not going to learn in, in the classroom. So that's the reason that I decided to do this podcast. I want to begin with a little bit about myself and my background. 
I was raised in a rural town in Wisconsin, and my schooling experience was absolutely horrible. I feel that I was neglected as a student. Um, basic things that, as an adult, a teacher should have recognized or said something about they didn't. I was in seventh grade when one teacher finally told my father and mother that I sat in the back row. My last name's Morgan, so we sat in the back row, and I couldn't see the board. So in seventh grade, one teacher told my parents, your son might need glasses. You need to have his eyes looked at and have his eyes checked. So my parents took me to the eye doctor. I got the glasses, and all of a sudden I could see. So I've had a lot of like negative experiences in my schooling, in my public schooling, which have kind of fueled my desire to kind of right the wrong or give back. And so that's also part of my goal that I've, of what I want in my podcast. I also have two boys, one who has autism, is on the spectrum, and then I have another son who's somewhat gifted. So they're at opposite ends and they've kept me busy. Um, my focus for my student teaching and my university master's program is called an LBS-1, which I really never understood what that was. Was It's a learning behavior specialist. So I'll be a special ed teacher come December of 2021. So I began my college career experience when I was 40 years old. I had been at my previous job for 24 years before I was terminated, and I never in my life thought that I was going to make a midlife change of careers. But I remember the day that I lost my job. I went to the school to pick up my son. He was in second grade. And the, the principal came to the door and she said, Mr. Morgan, what's wrong? And I explained to her that I had lost my job. It was the only job that I had. I started when I was 16 and I lost my job when I was 40. And um, the principal said to me, and I will never forget this. She said, Mr. Morgan, this is wonderful. You should be a teacher. You have all the qualities of what a wonderful teacher should be. And I remember telling her, I'm like, no, I'm not a school person. I hate school. I can't do this. There's no way. But she went on to encourage me and to help me. And she's like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to find you a grant. I'm going to mentor you. After you graduate, I'm going to hire you, and you're going to work with me. And that was a really, really comforting thing. And I had nothing to lose. And so I thought, why not? So I began my journey uh, to become a teacher. And that was in 2011, 2011, 2012. Somewhere along the way uh, in my college process, we got a new governor in Illinois. And the governor cut the funding for many things, including the grant that I had to be a teacher. So my mentor, the principal, Miss um, Vina Shannon, she had told me, when you go to school, you need to make yourself marketable. You need everything. You can't just go and be a gen ed teacher you need to have a TESOL endorsement. You need to be STEM certified. You need to have all these extra endorsements that are just going to make your resume look different than everybody else's. So I took that advice, and I never went deep, but I went broad in my learning. So I had all these, uh, all these things that were, <laughs> all these extra endorsements that were like kind of all chugging together that was going to make me a beautiful, beautiful. Uh, resume, get me hired by every school in, in the city of Chicago. And then the, the funding got cut and I lost my funding and I lost my schooling. So my college advisor explained to me that it would cost $26,000 to continue and that my best option at that point would be to take any degree I could get for my bachelor's and return and do my master's degree because that would give me more money once I got the job in education. So I followed that advice. 
I graduated with my bachelor's degree in 2017. Interdisciplinary studies, which is the generic term for you just have too many credits and you don't have a focus. And then I had a minor in human resource development. So I've always been about andagogy, pedagogy, teaching adults or children. I just love teaching. So when I went back in 2018, I found a grant from the Illinois Student Assistance Cooperative. I got the SETTW grant, which would pay for my college to go get my master's in special ed as long as I made the commitment to teach for two years in a public school in the state of Illinois. So here I am. I'm almost done. It's been quite a journey. It's been so rewarding. It's been absolutely wonderful. And I'm on that last leg. Like I said, I'm, I'm a teacher's assistant or teacher's helper, parapro, SICA. And in March of this year, when I was at work, I was talking to my teacher because I'm assigned to a classroom and I follow little kids around and help them. And the teacher said to me, because I was explaining, you know, my focus and what I want to do and how it's going to go. And she said, James, you, with an LBS1, you'll never be able to teach in a gen ed classroom. You'll always be the special ed teacher. And I looked at her and I was horrified because although my, my grant and my teaching commitment to the state of Illinois to pay back the grant is in special ed, I have bigger goals. I want to be an administrator. I would love to have a nonprofit, a local nonprofit that would um, work as a liaison in the community in the, on the north side of Chicago between parents and the schools and help special ed children or children with special needs to get the services that they need within those Chicago public schools. But I realized that because of the path that I chose with the LBS1 program, I'm kind of limited to just being the special ed teacher. So I'm readjusting myself to that. And then who knows what will come down along the way. But like I said, along this journey, I've had so many experiences and I want to be able to share them with you. And I want to be able to help all of us that are going into student teaching to not be nervous, to have some idea of what's coming down the pike, to be able to be ready to know what we're going to do, what to expect on day one, how to interact, what to say. When a conflict comes up, what do you do? To know the behind the scenes I recently learned, I was talking to another uh, teacher that I work with in, in District 7 in Illinois, and she mentioned to me that a lot of teachers don't like to sponsor or to host uh, student teachers because even though the student teacher is in the classroom, even though the classroom gets turned over to the student teacher, even though the student teacher is teaching, the general ed teacher, the mentor teacher, is accountable for the grades so if you have a, ter a terrible student teacher in your classroom and at the end of the year, your performance appraisal is based off of the results or the data that was produced through the instruction of the teacher. So that's a lot of commitment and that's a lot of chance taking. And so I've read and I've seen that a lot of teachers aren't willing to take that risk. And then if, as we all know, with the global pandemic that's been going on, there's a lot going on. So the fact that you're going to teach 20-some kids, and now you got to teach an adult too. That can really be a lot of work. So my goal is to try and make that easier, to try and let you know what you're getting into and just be able to navigate that a little bit. My oldest boy is uh, on the autism spectrum, and when he was little, we as parents, like 
first child, never really knew that something might be wrong. We just thought it was typical. It was our reality. So we never understood the things that he did, and we didn't have the insight or the networking or the ability to be able to diagnose or understand what was going on with him. So when he was in kindergarten, his teacher said, you know, there might not be something right. We need to watch this. You might need to get him evaluated uh, to see if he needs more. And so at that time, we took him to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician's, yeah, he probably has attention deficit. Let's try some things. So we tried like a special diet. We cut out dairy, sugar, wheat, grains, all kinds of things that didn't work. We tried like the essential oils and all like many holistic approaches, but none of them seemed to work. So the doctor, after allowing us to try and figure this out without the need of medication, suggested that we put our son on medication. And I was a bit nervous about this because the last thing that I wanted my son to do was to not be himself. And from my previous job, I had an employee who told me that when he was on medication, he felt like he was caged. And when he was off the medication, he was free. So with that thought or that idea concept in the back of my head, it worried me about what was going to happen with my son. Fast forward every year from second grade, he, I would, we would be told by teachers he's not participating, he's not doing his work, he's lazy, all those things. And I was fighting and fighting and fighting because I knew something more. He needed more assistance from the school than he was getting. But he just wasn't getting it, and they were burned out or didn't care. I, I don't know what was going on at that time. But he was not getting his needs met. And I was tired of fighting because I fought and fought and fought. We took him and had a full-day evaluation done, a neuropsych evaluation, and they diagnosed my son with a nonverbal learning disability as well as attention deficit. And nonverbal learning disability has nothing to do with being nonverbal. A nonverbal disability is the inability to comprehend written print. So if anything's written... It's a struggle for him. If it's orally expressed, if someone tells him or talks to him or he watches a video, no problem. If it's written, it's a problem for him. And even though I provided the school with the documentation from the medical professionals, they would not give him the individualized educational plan. And they just like, oh, he's lazy. He doesn't want to do this. He's not cooperating. You need to do more. And it truly was a nightmare. So I realized somewhere along the way that the only way that I could help him was by going to school, by going to university and studying education so I could speak teacher language to help my son get what he needed. So I began that journey and once I was able to talk to the teachers and use their language and I could talk about semantic reasoning, expressive and receptive, all these different things, then they started to listen. So after nine, 10 years, when he was 16 years old, so from second grade until the time he was 16, which is a sophomore, junior, he didn't get what he needed. But after I finally started going to the university and getting my understanding and being able to have that network of people to pull in that could help me navigate or use that teacher language to help the teachers understand what I was trying to say, that's when he finally uh, was successful. Now he's 18, and I realized I went to school to help him to get through school, but he's through school now. And so once again, I'm kind of stuck in that dilemma that nobody helped me or 
focused on what's called a transition plan, which is something that's supposed to be written into an IEP when a student is 15 or 16 years old to help them transition into adulthood. So that's another whole chapter of, of my life. Um, and that's probably going to play into my podcast a little bit as well, because I have a passion for, I have a passion for all kids. I have a passion for students with uh, exceptionalities or special needs because they need to be taken care of just as well. So like I said, my podcast is not going to be anything that you're going to learn about in the classroom. It's going to be all stuff that's just kind of creeps up on you, things that you might need to think about. Um, I think it's going to be a lot about relationship building. I hope to bring in uh, fellow teachers, everyone who's involved in the teaching process, uh, from superintendent all the way down to teacher's aides. I think they all have an equal role in education And as a student teacher, we're going to be interacting with all these people, and we want to do it successfully for the benefits of the kids. So that's really what I'm trying to do. So this is my pilot episode of my podcast, and I'm hoping that each week uh, more and more will get added and that all of you out there throughout the United States um, who are considering education, these little tidbits will help you. And I know that as I go on this journey, I'm probably making a lot of mistakes, but I don't know I'm making them. So my goal is to help you. And I would begin by saying, like, I've I've been collecting things from my classroom. I'm really excited because somewhere along the way, come December, come January, I'm going to have my own classroom, and it's going to be really cool, and it's going to be personalizing my books, and we like chairs and bean bags and all this, like, fun, fun stuff that's just going to fit there. And right now my house is a disaster. There are boxes everywhere, and people are saying, oh, James, maybe you need this. You might need this. I have way too much stuff. I was talking to another special ed teacher, and they said, James, you think you're getting a classroom? You're not going to have a classroom. You're going to be working out of a closet. You're going to be co-teaching with other teachers or doing pull-out sessions uh, in a a school. You're not going to need a classroom. So um, as time goes on, we're going to find out if I really need all this stuff that I've been saving up. And one thing that I think my next uh, podcast is going to be about is going to be about organization. I realized that organization is going to be key and that it's really going to take a lot. I read an article today that talked about you need a backpack and you need your own computer. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. You mean like the school's not going to give me a computer to use? It's going to be like, in my district as a teacher's aide, like the district handed me a computer and they're like, here you go, Mr. Morgan. Here's your, e- here's your email address. Here's access to Moby Max and every single thing that you could ever want. As a student teacher, it seems that it's not that way. And I have to bring my own computer. So I'm probably going to bring my own pencils and my own everything to try and figure out how this is going to flow. Granted, the teachers will have some stuff for me. But if I'm going to be successful, I need to like pack my teacher bag. There is a whole bunch of information out there on the Internet about what kind of bag a teacher is supposed to have and what kind of bag they're supposed to bring. If you go on Pinterest, there's a million different kinds of bags. But I don't have any of those bags. So I've got to try and figure this all out and put that all together as well. But like I said, so my goal in the next couple of weeks is to walk you through my experience of student teaching. I'm going to talk about my cohort, talk about my university, talk about the things that we kind of talk about at school, as well as make a practical application. When I came up with this idea, when you're going through this college experience, it's really, really, really important to get a network of people together. You're going to be going through all these classes together. You're going to be seeing the same faces for years. 
Some of you are going to be in different spots at different times, but you're all going through this together and you need to build relationships with the people that are in your little group. And that's one thing that I did. And so I'm hoping that um, you're going to have a chance to meet my little cohort of my little close friends and I who have all come through this together. It's really important to have a resource that you can bounce stuff off, you can talk about, you can share ideas and uh, reflect upon what you might have missed or interpretations. A lot of things are subjective. And so when the teacher says, to, when the professor says to do something, or, or maybe even the teacher, if you're student teaching, um, it's very important to have uh, someone that's on your side <laughs> that's been in your shoes that can help you. So my cohort has agreed to come in and sit in on my podcast. When I mentioned the idea of this podcast to my uh, university professor, her exact words were, why didn't I think of that? So I feel that there's a need for stuff like this. I feel that there's a need for this kind of information to be out there. It's my goal to bring it to you. If you have any suggestions or comments or want to be a guest on my show, come and join me. I'd love to have it. Like I mentioned, I'm in Chicago, Illinois. I've got family and friends that are teachers throughout the United States. I'm going to try and link them in as well and get their viewpoints. But I would love any suggestions or if there's any questions or things that you want to learn about, let's do it. Let's all learn together. I want to conclude every podcast with a strategy, right? I spent more than four years learning about strategies for education and what we're supposed to do. And they're all research-based and evidence-based, best practice, all that kind of stuff. But this one is for you because you're going to be student teaching and you're going to be so stressed out. You're going to lose sleep. I lose a lot of sleep. This one is called triangle breathing. And you might know triangle breathing. Triangle breathing is a SEL or social emotional strategy that helps you to calm down. And so I think all of us need to calm down, not only in education, but kind of like around the world right now, we need to calm down. So what you're supposed to do is we're going to draw a triangle. You're going to take your pointer finger or your left or right hand, whichever is your dominant hand, and we're going to make a triangle. So as you, as you start in the lower left of your triangle, you're going to raise your pointer finger to the top, and you're going to breathe in until you get to the top. Then you're going to take that pointer finger and go down and hold your breath as you go down. And then as you go back to the left, to where you started, you're going to exhale. So I know you can't see me. You're going to be able to see me, but just not today. I'm going to work that out. But let's do it together. So we're going to do triangle breathing. Are you ready? This works. It might seem crazy. If you do that with your classroom or with students when they're upset or worried or not paying attention clearly, you do like three or four triangle breathings and do it with them, it will calm them down and everything will be okay. And so I look forward to seeing you next time and we will continue our podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. Bye-bye.